Good morning. Joining me now is Ruth Klossner, and she's been active with the fair for years and years and years. So we want to chat with her today about her days in 4-H, how things have changed through the years, because this is the 150th anniversary of the Nicollet County Fair. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Now, Ruth, you have been active in the 4-H since the beginning of time, pretty much, haven't you? (laughs) Well, not quite that far ago. 1902, yeah. Yeah. My 4-H days go back to 1957 when I was a 9-year-old 4-H-er in Nicola County. So you've been in the Nicola County 4-H since then, and you're still active. I have seen you at the fairs through the years because I have kids in Nicola County 4-H, and you're still there taking pictures and announcing dairy shows and things like that. What is it that has kept you so involved with the Nicollet County Fair for so many years? I don't know. I guess I'm just a, I call myself a fair junkie. <laughs> uh, beside the county fair, I've been working at the state fair for almost 40 years, too. So it's just something about fairs that I like. Uh, I, I just am um, attracted to them. There was a few years I wasn't that active in Nicollet County because I was working as a county extension educator in three other counties, uh, from uh, 1970 to 1983, I was working in other counties. But uh, since I'm done with that, then I've been back involved at Nicola County again. I wanted to go back when you were a young girl back in, you said 1957 when you first joined 4-H? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where were you at? What were you doing at that time? And, and what sort of things did you decide to do when you joined a club? My birthday was in January, and I remember at that time you could not join until you're nine years old. So I turned nine years old, and I went to my first 4-H meeting. My older brother and sister had been in 4-H, and my sister was in 4-H through the first years that I was. So I had that background, and, you know, they did things with their calves and such, and I had pet calves already before I was even in 4-H, so I just couldn't wait to be a 4-H'er. The first year, I didn't take a calf to the fair. I just did a couple of general projects. But then I showed dairy from uh, 58 on through 67 when I was in 4-H. And that was my main project, the thing that really I love. But I was involved in the press review. I gave demonstrations every year. And I even took part in what they then called the silent bread and pie demonstrations their whole group of you would line up at the same time and you'd go through the process of making a loaf of bread or a, an apple pie and you you didn't have to talk you just oh. it was a silent demonstration the judges would watch how good you you did all the steps of making that product and then how well your product turned out at the end those days are long gone and People will say, the, the what kind of demonstration? <laughs> yes. Silent bread and pie. I've never heard of that before, but I guess if you were quite the introvert, it might be actually the, a good project for you. Yeah, some kids liked it. And there, there was the one year, though, that I turned the silent demonstrations <laughs> into something else. I accidentally dropped a whole tray of glass dishes oh, no. on the cement floor in the 4-H building, and that took care of any silent thing that was going on at that point. Everybody turned around and looked at the crash, and I could have crawled in a hole somewhere, but but we all survived. So you must have been a farm girl from a farm. Where did you grow up on the farm then in uh, Nicollet County? Uh, Well, it was from the western part of the county, uh, west of Klausner, or a little bit southwest of Klausner, just across the river from New Ulm, which is kind of ironic in the fact that where our farm was located on the bluff overlooking the River Valley at New Ulm, we could literally hear some of the, the noise from the Brown County Fair 
Yet in those uh-huh. days, you took part in 4-H in the county you lived in. Uh-huh. I lived in Nequa County, so we traveled 30 miles to the fair at St. Peter. But uh, I'm glad I was in 4-H in Nequa County. It's, I'm proud of the county. I, I'm living back in the county again, and so it's, you know, it's my county. But it was kind of ironic to be that close to the Brown County Fair and travel 30 miles to go to the fair. Well, which club were you in then? Klafner 4-H Club. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that Which makes... often got to be a, a thing of, you know, people say, what's your name? Oh, Ruth Klosner. Where are you from? Klosner. <laughs> well, I know your name Klosner, but where are you from? Well, I'm from the Klosner 4-H Club. Oh, that's funny. And the, the town of Klosner was named after my dad's great uncle, who owned the land that the uh, town grew up on when the railroad came through. And, and the 4-H Club then was just named after the, the town. So I was in Klosner 4-H. Yeah, and I recall back, well, you couldn't join until you were nine years old as well, so I've you know, right. been mm-hmm. in 4-H a long time, and things have changed through the years. Talk about what it was like. Was was the fairgrounds the same? Was it still in St. Peter where it is now, or or what was it like back yep. then when yep, you were the in 4-H? fairgrounds always been in St. Peter for, except probably the very, very, very first years of the fair. Uh, I think it actually, the fair was probably even actually held in Nicollet a couple of years way back in early history, but I'm not sure of that, but during my years, it was always in St. Peter, and really much the same as it is now. Uh, some buildings have come and gone. Tornado in 98 took care of a lot of the older buildings, but um, the uh, double Quonset building, which is now the kind of an ag education center, was the dairy barn at the oh. fair in the first years I was there. It was the only dairy barn. Our 4-H club always had our cattle in that double Quonset, which now I say is the education building. That was just the place that our 4-H club always was. And and then I think it was probably close to 1960, around there, where the new dairy barn, the big barn, was built. There were three pig barns at one time. The 4-H building used to be a concert building, too, a round roof building. That was over about where Johnson Hall is now. That was destroyed in the tornado, too. And we had the 4-H building in the, within the east end of it. And the west end of it was a split in half and it was a dormitory for boys and for girls. And we actually stayed at the fair in that dormitory oh. when we exhibited hmm. at the fair, which was handy because, I mean, we were 30 miles from the fairgrounds. So it was very handy to be able to stay right there on the ground. And really, that was one of the attractions of the fair for the livestock exhibitors to get to stay in the 4-H dormitory. We had triple high bunks in there. <laughs> and there was a, an older couple... At least that to us they seemed older, who were the uh, dormitory chaperones. I believe their name was Beaumont. He was on, on the boys' side and she was on the girls' side. And they tried to maintain order in the dormitory. And, of course, we had a little fun in there every night, you know, yeah. doing a few pranks and so on. That's new to me because I didn't realize way back that they had the, that sort of thing for kids to stay at the fair. I know at the state fair they do, so that must have been unusual. Or was that kind of the way other counties were operating then as well? I think most most of the counties did. I know when I worked in Sibley County, we had a dormitory up there. Brown County had a dormitory for years. Watton County, when I worked down there, I don't recall that they did. But uh, some counties did, and that was it just made it much easier for people that weren't that close to for the kids to be able to stay there overnight so first thing in the morning you rolled out of bed and you ran down to the barn and took care of your animals because your parents had a long drive to get there and you know they couldn't just drive in and out with you every time back in the day 4-h i believe was primarily considered for 
kids involved in agriculture because so many people were involved in agriculture. Was that the case? Most kids were farm kids back in your day in the 4-H? The majority were, though. There was, was a club called the Otakanya 4-H Club, and I don't recall for sure, but I think that was more St. Peter kids. It was in that area, and I think it was oh. more in-town kids that were in the Otakanya Club. And then not too much later, the North Mankato Club formed. And so that was more in town, and that was that was kind of about my end of my years that that happened. So it started out, and then when I was in first years, I suppose it was pretty much all you know country kids. But then we started picking up more kids from the in town too as we went, and and now it's anybody, any any place doesn't matter if you have animals or not, or town kids might even have rabbits. Or now one of the things that's happening is that more and more kids are leasing animals; they yes. don't actually own them. But they have an arrangement with the, the farmer to be able to work with that animal during the course of the year and then show it in 4-H as a leased animal, which is a, a getting to be a, a very big thing as less and less kids are actually living on the farm. I'm just curious about the projects, how they may have changed through the years. You mentioned you were in sewing, things you make, and now they have classes where you can do clothes you buy, and they call it STEAM, I think, because it's more, they focus on the engineering and, and science part of it. So that seems to be like big changes that have taken place. That really has, uh, and you mentioned the, the sewing project. As I was digging through my old 4-H scrapbook, I went through and I scanned a lot of articles and photos and stuff out of there and posted them on the Nicollets County 4-H alumni Facebook page. And I came across a couple years of the dress review programs. One of them, the entries were numbered, and there was 151 girls who took part in the dress review. Wow. 151. And those were all garments that we made. Those were all handmade garments. Now you maybe have, I don't know, perhaps 20, 30 kids in, in the whole style review, and most of those are modeling things that they bought. And and it's the idea of is that they're learning consumerism, um, what's a good purchase, uh, did you, you know, were you, was it economical, uh, did you think about, you know, quality, things like that. But it's changed so much, especially in that kind of a project that, I mean, 151 girls who actually sewed their own outfits. That's incredible. Yeah, That's now, kind of a lost art in many ways, I think. Oh, it is. And there are many of those uh, like STEAM projects now, you know, the science and technology and those kinds of things. That mm-hmm. 4-H has expanded into that because that's what kids are interested in, and and that's great. And 4-H is trying to provide something for everybody. It's, it's not just for the farm kid, or it's not just for those who have animals. There are so many projects for ev- everything. And there's a self-determined project where you can do anything under the sun that you want to. Sure. If there isn't already a project for it, well, you just do it under self-determined, and that's your own project. So, Were there other any interesting activities or things at the fair that happened? You mentioned the silent pie baking <laughs> as one example. Were there other things that have kind of just disappeared through the years? Well, one thing that kind of disappeared was the, the jam-packed nature of the county oh, fair. Oh, yes. It was a total of four days. It was only Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, I mean, it was only those four days. Uh, other than the demonstration days, which were held ahead, everything else was during those four days. The dress review was on Thursday night at the fair. So, you know, you got your, your animals or whatever you were taking to the fair during the day. You got it judged. In the early years, it wasn't even conference judging. It was just judged without you being there. Now, you know, of course, everything is conference judge where the 4-H actually talks to the judge. But 
So the, you got to, everything got to the fair during Thursday. Thursday night, you got yourself cleaned up and modeled in the dress review. Friday, you went out and showed your dairy cattle. And then if you were in the top group in the dress review, the top third or whatever, then you modeled again in front of the grandstand. You did a, there was a style review or dress review program was held prior to the evening's grandstand program. So you modeled there and the, the champions were named. Saturday was a lot of the open class livestock shows. For example, the dairy, open class dairy show was on Saturday. Sunday wasn't quite as jam-packed, but, you know, everything was packed into those four days, including the fashion review. So it was uh, a pretty pretty busy four days. Now they've expanded to five days for the fair, and the conference judging of the non-livestock exhibits is being done on Tuesday, the day even before the fair starts. So, And the dress review was held ahead of time, and, you know, it's, things are, have changed in terms of time. You know, it's kind of almost ironic in that, there are less entries in things now because yes. there's less 4-Hers and less kids take part in things like the dress review. And now they spread them out over a greater time period. Sure. You know, the other thing I remember was with judging, at least in our county, in, in Polk County, Wisconsin, they used to, because there were a lot of entries, they used to give out blue, red, white, and pink ribbons. The blue was first, the red was second, the white was third, and the pink was fourth. And I recall getting a bunch of pink ribbons through the years, you know, and now <laughs> you rarely see anything but just blue and red. So it's almost like they've they've gotten rid of the third and fourth place. And it, that's it has, big, a yeah. big change because, I mean, it used to be you felt really bad if you got a pink or something, and now it's like everybody red or blue. It was, in Minnesota, it was, we called the Danish system of judging, where everybody got a blue, red, or white, and there was a, a very, very few champion ribbons, and boy, you know, if you get a champion ribbon, you had to be really good, because there's maybe only one per project, or maybe none were given. But yes, over the years, the white ribbons went away, and now the red ribbons have gone away. I was at the uh, Sibley County Fair, and the dairy show there, they, I don't believe that they gave anything except blue ribbons to all the, the dairy projects. That thing of the, it used to be you had to be really, really good to get a blue. You had to be average to get a red, and you had to be below average to get a white. Well, right. Pink was the bottom for us, so if you got a yeah. pink, you felt really, really bad. And, you know, State Fair does still go more with the blue, red, and white in the 4-H exhibit building. In the livestock shows, it's pretty much blues and purples and a few reds at State Fair. Now they give up to, I think, 20% get purples at State Fair and the livestock shows. And I see a lot of those because I do 4-H livestock photography at State Fair, and I now take pictures of every purple ribbon winner. The first years I did that, I was up there. We only took pictures of the, the champions and the reserve champions. Now we're taking pictures of all the purple ribbons besides, so they keep me pretty busy. They're taking pictures. when. And the other thing that's unique about 4-H, I think, in judging, and I don't think this has changed, is it's always been conference judging where the member will talk with the judge, and it's not just about if you have the best project. You might have the most beautiful thing, but if your mom did it for you and you don't know anything <laughs> about it, I mean, you know that that happens sometimes. Or if you had oh, yeah. something, maybe it wasn't isn't the best looking, but they know you know what you did and you did your best, you could get a blue ribbon. And I think that's something that is really an important part is that interaction with someone to how can you improve yourself and what you did well and getting that feedback. Exactly. That came in, I don't know if we even had conference judging the last years that I was in 4-H or if it started when I was an extension agent, probably thereabouts, I'm not sure where, but it is good because you are finding out, as a judge, you're finding out if the member knows anything about their project because 
I've done a lot of judging at county fairs, too, and, you know, you've got these kids who come there with a beautiful exhibit, and you ask them the steps of how they did it, and they give you this blank look, and you go, um, you had a little help with this, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, did you have a lot of help with this? Yeah. And you almost want to ask them, did you do anything? But you just kind of bite your tongue and and suggest that they do a little more work themselves the next time to learn from the project, but... Well, and as you're judging, too, you're looking over the kid's shoulder, and there's mom, you know, saying, well, tell him this, tell him that. And you go, mm-hmm, yep, okay, uh, mom, I'm not judging you. Yes. I'm talking to the exhibitor. And, and then you've got these other exhibitors, like you say, who know everything about it, and things just didn't quite turn out the way they wanted them to. So you know, you can reward the member for their hard work, even if their, their project is not the, the best one there. Are you involved with anything with the 150th anniversary this year? I know you've been submitting a lot of pictures and things to the Facebook page for Nicollet County 4-H alumni from years past and things like that. Anything else you are being have been involved with? They've been asking if we've got exhibits that we entered at the fair, and I had two things that I must have just gotten rid of a few years ago because I, I can't find them, but I am. I do have my 4-H junior leadership scrapbook that oh. was at the fair, I think, five years, with each year adding more and more to that scrapbook. And I'm going to take that down, and that'll be fun for people to, to look through and see those clippings that I scanned down. And then the fair is having an antique tractor display, and so I'm going <clears throat> made arrangements to get my tractor down there. I have a Ford 1954 8N tractor that I take in parades, and it's painted with cow spots and has cow horns on it. Yes, you are known so as the cow lady, I should mention to people, too, because you have this huge collection of cows, which many people know you as. Yep, it's, it keeps growing. It's over 19,700 oh, pieces geez. now, <laughs> and the tractor is one part of it. So oh. I'm going to have that go down to the fair, and then I'll be down there helping with the dairy show again. And, and I'll also be photographing all the different uh, livestock shows and the conference judging and such. So I'll be posting a lot of pictures on Facebook of all the different shows at the fair so kids can see themselves on Facebook and they can download the pictures and have them keep them for themselves and put in their scrapbooks to save for another 50 years. Ruth, you have played an important role in Nicollet County in the fair and so many 4-H kids' lives and and it's just a wonderful thing. Looking back, you have took part basically in the fair for 64 years. How has that impacted your life? 4-H has been a, a big part of my life all, all through the, my life. Because I, especially I think about what I learned from 4-H. You know, I, I often have, have talked about 4-H in terms of what a learning experience it is. And many times we kind of sneak the learning in on the kids, you know. We, we have, get them enrolled in projects, mm-hmm. and they have this animal, or they have whatever, you know, they're doing. You know, we aren't pushing the fact that they're learning responsibility, dependability, things like that. But that's kind of, you know, that's kind of sneaky how they're <laughs> learning all those things without being told that they're learning those things. And that's as I look back. That's, that's what I learned from having 4-H projects, the responsibility of getting those things done by the deadline and taking care of those animals. And then when you look back and you go, hmm, that's, I guess, where I learned to be dependable and responsible and caring and those kinds of things. So, yeah, 4-H has been a, a big part of my growing up. And now for the last, I think it's 38 years, I've been going back to the state fair to do the photography to get these pictures of all the 4-H animals. And I look back at the pictures I have from my years at state fair 
And I think, hmm, I wish somebody had taken some better wow. pictures of my animals. Sure. But, you know, you didn't think a whole lot about it then. Well, thank you so much for your time. We've been chatting with Ruth Klossner, who has been involved with the 4-H for 64 years of her life and the Nicollet County Fair celebrating its 150th anniversary. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye, Ruth.